Good morning. Welcome to Central Church. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We had a great Thanksgiving. And of course, uh, yesterday was a great day in the state of Michigan. And I tried to be so, I, you know, I tried to not say, in the first service, I was very, I didn't, I was subdued. I didn't even say anything. And people said, hey, Pastor, I said, I know, I know. But as great as all that was, we, Carol and I, got even greater news than even that. I have a picture to describe it. I think you'll get it from the picture. Our son, Alex and Blair, are going to have a baby in May, and they let us know, and we're very excited about that. Of course, the big deal is what are we going to be called? That's been the question around our house. You know, is it grandma and grandpa? Is it, uh, you know, what are we going to be called? There's a family in our church, Lee and, and Mary Rustmuster. They're, they're Lolly and Pop. And so, so I, you know, we didn't want to be Lolly and Pop, but I told Carla, I said, Carla, you could be Tootsie and I could be Pop. Tootsie Pop. <laughs> she didn't want to be Tootsie. And so, but then she said, no, I'll be Tootsie and you'll be Roll because you've been eating too much, which was very mean. I thought that was very, very mean. And so we've, we've been trying to, you know, we've been knocking around, if, if, you know, Babushka is what they call in Russia, but she didn't want to be Babushka. And so we've been kicking it around, Grandma, Graham, Graham, Graham. If she was more into social media, she'd be Instagram, but she's not really into that. And so, I don't know. Uh, we got six months to figure this out because the baby's not due until May. So in the meantime, we wait, which is a good transition for our series that we're in. The series is called Wait. The, the, the meaning of Advent is the arrival. We are waiting for the arrival of Jesus. We are waiting the second Advent for Jesus coming again. And so in this meantime, we wait. We relax. We slow down. We breathe we wait but that's the exact opposite of what this season has become it's a season of rushing and and shopping and cooking and parties and and gatherings even at church and all sorts of things and it seems like this month is a month of of complete rush when the season is to wait and relax and heal and breathe what if we did that this season what if we took that serious and we just said we're going to wait and heal and recuperate not rush not get caught up in the the madness of the season well, Pastor, what planet are you living on? Somebody's got to shop, and somebody's got to cook, and somebody's got to clean, and somebody's got to go to rehearsals and go to programs, and somebody's got somebody's to do all that stuff. I hear Carla ringing in my ear as she's saying those things. What planet are you living on? That's a problem. If what we need, if the best thing we could have is to wait and relax and to rest... And this is a season the exact opposite. That's a big problem. I found this video, a clip from the 1970s, 
of a whale of a problem. I should have used this during the Jonah series, but uh, it communicates. Watch this. It had to be said, the Oregon State Highway Division not only had a whale of a problem on its hands, it had a stinking whale of a problem. What to do with one 45-foot, 8-ton whale dead on arrival on the beach near Florence? It had been so long since a whale had washed up in Lane County, nobody could remember how to get rid of one. In selecting its battle plan, the highway division decided the carcass couldn't be buried because it might soon be uncovered. It couldn't be cut up and then buried because nobody wanted to cut it up, and it couldn't be burned. So dynamite it was, some 20 cases or a half ton of it. The hope was that the long-dead Pacific gray whale would be almost disintegrated by the blast and that any small pieces still around after the explosion would be taken care of by seagulls and other scavengers. Indeed, the seagulls had been standing nearby all day. As everything was being made ready, we asked George Thornton, the highway engineer in charge of the project, for his final observation. Well, I'm confident that it'll work. The only thing is we're not sure just exactly how much uh, explosives it'll take to disintegrate this things so the scavengers, seagulls and crabs and whatnot can clean it up. Is there any chance it might be more than a one-day job? Uh, if there's any large chunks left and uh, we may have to do some other cleanup, possibly set another charge. The dynamite was buried primarily on the leeward side of the big mammal so as most of the remains would be blown toward the sea. About 75 bystanders, most of them residents who had first found the whale to be an object of curiosity before they tired of its smell, were moved back a quarter of a mile away. The sand dunes there were covered with spectators and land lubber newsmen shortly to become land blubber newsmen, with the blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. Did you get a wild? Did you get a wild? Our camera stopped rolling immediately after the blast. The humor of the entire situation suddenly gave way to a run for survival as huge chunks of whale blubber fell everywhere. Pieces of meat passed high over our heads while others were falling at our feet. The dunes were rapidly evacuated as spectators escaped both the falling debris and the overwhelming smell. A parked car over a quarter of a mile from the blast site was the target of one large chunk. The passenger compartment literally smacked. Fortunately, no human was hit as badly as the car. However, everyone on the scene was covered with small particles of dead whale. As for the success of the effort, well, the seagulls who were supposed to clean things up were nowhere in sight, either scared away by the explosion or kept away by the smell. That didn't really matter. The remaining chunks were of such a size that no respectable seagull would attempt to tackle anyway. As darkness began to set in, the highway crews were back on the beach burying the remains, including a large piece of the carcass which never left the blast site. It might be concluded that should a whale ever wash ashore in Lane County again, those in charge will not only remember what to do, they'll certainly remember what not to do. There you have it. What do you do when you have a whale of a problem and it seems like all your efforts to fix it don't work or maybe even create a bigger mess? This is supposed to be the season where we wait and rest and relax, full of anticipation and expectation, 
And yet it has become this season of rush and consume and buy and this and that and running here and there. And you know what I'm talking about. It's the, the world in which we live. That's a problem. What do we do when we're not, we're not even excited about this season? When life, maybe a diagnosis, maybe a family situation maybe an economic one, when you're just thinking, you know, I would rather just skip and get to 2023. It's got to be better than 2022. What do you do when, when you're just not ready for it? There's a picture that used to float around our family, and I don't know what happened to it. Maybe after my parents passed away, it, it got thrown away. But it's a picture of my brother holding his Christmas gift that year. And my, what my folks would do is they would give like one big gift, uh, you know, and then you'd have other little gifts. And the big gift, you know, was a bike or a, you know, a radio or something like that. Well, this particular year, uh, my brother's big gift was a game of risk. Now, it's not a very big gift. And, and there was this picture of him holding his game of risk. Now, remember back in the day, it's not like you'd take a picture, look at it, and say, no, that's not a good picture, and, and take another one. No, you'd take your roll of film and pictures, and eventually you'd take it to Photomat or something, and you'd get them back in, you know, March or whatever. And so they didn't know. They didn't know until March how my brother, he's holding this game of risk, and he's got this scowl on his face, and it's like, this is the worst Christmas gift ever, and this is my big gift, and I'm not happy about it, and I don't want my picture taken. And so I asked my brother and sisters, no one has that picture, and so the closest thing I could find is a picture of a little girl that seemed to have about the same expression, and she looked like this. <laughs> She's not happy. She's not excited. Don't take my picture. Don't, don't hang around me. This is not what I wanted at all. And maybe that describes you. Here we are, the first Sunday of Advent. We're starting to sing carols, and you're saying, I don't want to sing carols this year. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want any of this. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I, you know, it's okay for you to celebrate. But this year, there's too much going on. Now, if that's you, take heart. Because Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. For all the fanfare of, of Christmas, the first Christmas was anything but. As you know, the angels announced Jesus' arrival. Of course, that was exciting news to the shepherds. But where was Jesus born? In a barn. What happened shortly thereafter? They became refugees in Egypt, and there was a death sentence for all the children and all the boys Jesus' age. They were extremely poor. Life was difficult. And even as Jesus grew, grew to be a man, you know, uh, for all the thousands fed and the hundreds killed and all of that, when he died, he was alone on the cross, and his only possession was a seamless robe that the soldiers were gambling for at the foot of the cross. So Jesus knows what you're going through. And Jesus, in chapter 11 of the book of, of Matthew, said these words, familiar words that you've heard before. He said, come to me, all you are weary and burdened. Anybody weary and burdened this Christmas season? Anybody just wishing it would all pass away come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you 
rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Anybody need rest this Christmas? No need to raise your hands. Anybody just saying, oh, I need peace. I need rest. I need to relax. I've got all this going on. Here's the, here's the quick answer to the end of the story for today. Just go to Jesus. Just run to him. It doesn't sound like, it doesn't feel like he's hearing me. It doesn't feel like he's answering me. It doesn't feel, just keep on going. Keep on going, keep on going, keep on going until you can sing carols once more. Just rest in him. The, the, Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, he, he understands this. Remember, Jeremiah, writing during the time of Babylonian captivity, it's terrible, terrible, terrible. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet for a reason. He, is, he has had all these calamities, all these terrible things. He writes a book called the Book of Laments, Lamentations. And yet in the midst of that Book of Lamentations, that was Book of Laments, these terrible things, this is what he says. Because of God's great love, we are not consumed. We are not overwhelmed. We are not swamped. We are not sunk. For his compassions never, ever, ever fail. Bob, that was perfect timing. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. They never fail. Listen, I can testify to that. I could be the one to say amen to that. I have, I have done so many stupid things and said so many stupid things. Pastor, do you know what you said in that sermon? Do you know blah, blah, blah? <laughs> but his compassions never, ever, ever, ever fail. Hallelujah. They are new every morning. In the old hymn, it used the King James Version, Great is thy faithfulness. Do you know that's true? Oh, we used to sing all the time, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, morning by morning, new mercies they come. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The one who calls us is faithful. The one who says, listen, you can come to me. He's faithful. He hears you. He knows what's going on. Look at the next verse. They... I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. The Lord has enough. The Lord can take care. The Lord knows what he's doing. James said it this way, every good and perfect gift is from above. We can trust him, in other words. Therefore, I will wait for him. There it is. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wait, relax. We don't like to wait quietly. What's the Lord teaching us? Patience. Oh, I don't want to learn patience. Fortitude, perseverance. Wait. It's saying God is up to something. That we can trust him. 
as we wait, we can trust him. The psalmist, he understood that. In Psalm 130, he writes, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait in the morning. More than watchmen wait in the morning. That's not a typo. I didn't just repeat it. The psalmist says it twice. More than watchmen wait in the morning. More than watchmen wait in the morning. What's he talking about? He's talking about those guys that would stand on the wall. And they would be on the lookout. They would be watching for the enemy. Sometimes watching for friends who would come and say, open the gates, they're okay. Or the enemy coming. They don't sleep. They watch, they watch, they watch, they wait. And, and, and the psalmist is saying, I wait, I wait, I watch and wait. Habakkuk, the prophet, he uses that same type of language. Habakkuk is not a prophet that we usually talk about during Advent because he's not a happy guy. He's writing the same time as Jeremiah in Lamentations. Babylonian captivity, life is hard, Jerusalem has been destroyed, things are a mess. And Habakkuk isn't like the other prophets that have like oracles that thus saith the Lord. What his book is, and it's a short book, only three chapters, is more of a conversation, a dialogue between God and Habakkuk. And in that dialogue, Habakkuk is complaining. God, do you see what's going on here? This is not right. This is not for, It's the Babylonians. They're evil. They're rotten. They're pagan. They don't even trust you. They're pagan. What in the world is going on here? This is a mess. Have you ever prayed that type of prayer? God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. The people in charge should not be in charge. God, this is a mess. Have you prayed that? We've all prayed that prayer, haven't we? Listen to what Habakkuk. It's this conversation. In chapter 2, he says this, I will stand by and watch, again, that watchman on the wall type of language, I will stand and watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. I've been complaining. What are you going to do about it, God? Do you see what's going on here? This is not right. Comes God's answer. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets so the herald may run with it. This is good news, in other words. For the revelation awaits appointed time. It speaks to the end, and it will not prove false, though it linger. Maybe that's the word we need to circle. Though it linger, wait for it. For it will certainly come and will not delay. What's happening? God is saying, all right, Habakkuk, I hear your complaints. I gotcha, I gotcha. I, I, I know what's going on. I, I understand the circumstances. I understand your uh, trepidation, your, your, your worry. Just wait. I got it, just wait. Oh, we want answers right now, right? We want the answers yesterday. We are such in a rush. God, you've got to do, do something now. And God says, wait, hit the brakes, slow down. We think in the, that time, oh, God has forgotten us. God has abandoned us. There's 8 billion people. That's the latest count. 8 billion people in this planet. You know, my circumstance, maybe it's small potatoes to him, but it's big potatoes. God, just, God, God, wait. He hasn't abandoned you. He knows what's going on. He hears you when you pray. And he's, 
And he said, Here, here's the truth. God is always working for his glory and your good. Lamentate, or, or Jeremiah will later say, uh, quoting God, for I, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. You know that passage. God is always working for his glory and your good. Now, it may not be your timing. Well, you know, we want it yesterday. God, I'm ready for my good right now. Do you see what's going on around me? Right now, God, work right now. But God's timing, God's timing. God, no, don't you want God's timing? It's better than your timing. I don't know all the circumstances. I don't know all the details, but I know this. I have learned to trust in Jesus. I have learned that his timing is better than my timing. And while we wait, while we wait, it's not when you're waiting on the Lord, that's not wasting time. Oh, my dear sweet wife, Carla, she hates to waste time. Oh, she always is giving me directions when we're driving someplace. Oh, Rob, don't go that way. Go down this road and that road. You'll miss one traffic light and it's less congested. You got to go. Oh, she hates wasting time. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're not wasting time. It's waiting. It's relaxing. It's resting that he is, un- he is sovereign and he is God. And he is at work always even when we don't see it even when we don't see it even when we don't know what's happening god is at work he's always working for his glory and your good i read this week about the the chinese bamboo plant have you ever seen this this you can google it not now later when you get home you can trust me that this is true that a farmer plants it the bulb and it grows a sprout about an inch or two, just this much. And they water it, fertilize it for five years. Five years. And it grows hardly at all, this much. And then, believe this or not, again, you can trust me, you Google it later. Chinese bamboo, Google it, it's true. After five years, that little sprout in 90 days grows 90 feet. (laughs) So what's going on here? In those first five years, there's been a root system that's growing, 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 growing to support that 90-foot tree. And it's it's growing, growing, growing on the ground. You don't see it, but it's at work. So the question is, when was their growth? Was the growth in those 90 days? Or was the growth happening in those five years when you didn't see a thing? God is working. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten you. He knows what's going on. He knows the circumstances you're dealing with. He knows the burdens you're under. He knows the diagnosis. He knows all of that. And guess what? He's working for his glory and your good. You can trust him. Here's the problem. So often we... We are like the statue that's outside the Rockefeller Center in downtown Midtown Manhattan. I got a picture of it. It's Atlas, and he's got the, the world. He's carrying the world. He's strong, and, and, and he's got the world on his shoulders. You can show that picture at any time. And he's, he's strong, and, and you can see it outside. There it is. There he is. He's holding it. He's straining under the weight of the world. If you were to go across the street from, that, from, from the Rockefeller Center is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And if you were to go across the street into St. Patrick's Cathedral and go around the altar, there's a little statue of Jesus. 
It's not uh, uh, baby Jesus like in their nativity scenes. It's not Jesus on the cross that you see in a lot of Catholic churches. No, no, no. It's, it's Jesus as a boy. And he's, he's kind of frail. And he's not very big. And it's just a little statue of Jesus as a boy. And you can show that picture and look at it. And look what's in his left hand. What's in his left hand? It's the world. Atlas was straining under the weight of the world, and there, boy Jesus, frail Jesus, you know, still very God, very man, he's a boy, and he's got the world in his hands. Remember we used to sing that song, that old spiritual, he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole wide world in his hands. And then the second verse, he's got you and me, brother, in his hands, he's got you and me, sister. In his hands, he's got everybody. Listen, God's got you. And too many of us are acting like we've got to be Atlas. We're carrying the weight of the world on our shoulders, the weight of our family, the weight of that circumstance. We're underneath the weight, and God's saying, listen, I got the world in my hand. I've got you in my hand. I'm working for, your, for my glory and your good always. Habakkuk shows these complaints. So at the end of Habakkuk, again, it's only three chapters long. And at the end, at the end, you would, you would, you would think that, you know, there'd be this great, powerful, you know, all right, I'm going to wipe out the Babylonians, Habakkuk. And eventually the Persians do come in. But at the end of Habakkuk, in chapter 3, there's no... There's no uh, outcome from what Habakkuk's complaints are. But this is how the chapter ends, how the book ends. Habakkuk says this, yet all these troubles, Babylonian's still in charge, everything going rotten, yet I will wait patiently for the day of the calamity to come on the nation invading us. God's got this. And then he says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Here you go. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. And he enables me to tread the heights. God's got this. God's got me. I can trust him. I know what's going on. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust him always can we do that this advent season maybe you're not anticipating the most wonderful time of the year maybe you are carrying the weight of the world and maybe today you can just say you know what i'm giving that to jesus i'm giving him the whole deal joel did you get my text we're going to sing that song. We weren't going to sing this song, but we're going to sing the song that you just learned, Saint God. Could we do that? And if you're carrying a burden today, if you're dealing with a sickness or a problem or a trouble, and maybe you just want to come and pray to the same God who's taken care of things before, and he'll take care of you. Why don't we stand and let's sing that, that song we just learned. Mm-hmm.